It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We we'll welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, our. Uh, August 14th, 2012. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you and looking forward to our discussion tonight. Looking forward to your participation at 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com and join in the chat window to the bottom of your video feed. If you're watching us on the live feed tonight, now we're having a little seasonal uh, disorder tonight. Uh, not too many people there in the chat room yet. Yeah, hopefully it's, some more uh, will join nice in. This nice weather is not a it's friend of us. the virtual Bible study. Nice weather is killing us. Yeah, we want it to rain on Thursday nights. <laughs> um, but uh, we welcome your comments if you are listening to us live. And if you're listening to us in the podcast, we'll welcome your comments as well. Anytime you want to give us a comment uh, or a question, questions at collegeview.com is your avenue uh, to contact us on the program. We're going to talk about a subject tonight, Jacob, that we talked about a long time ago on the Virtual Bible Day, but only once and a number of years ago. Yeah. Uh, about uh, the doctrines taught by people who are sometimes referred to as Sabbatarians, who take the position that we ought to be worshiping uh, our corporate worship, observe the Lord's Supper, and that sort of thing on the Sabbath, the yes. seventh day, Saturday, mm-hmm. rather than on the first day, Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so there, there are uh, several groups, and of course, probably the most recognizable of them is the Seventh Day Adventists. Yes. And uh, so uh, they teach that doctrine. And what got me thinking about that is I met a fellow this week uh, who is a Seventh Day Adventist, and it it raised that question in my mind. And I thought, you know, we haven't dealt with that in a long time, and there are a lot of folks out there that I think are are mistaken on this. Uh, question and so we're going to talk about it in the virtual Bible study. Hey, and uh, we're not questioning their sincerity. I'm sure the guy you met is very sincere in his yeah. uh, his belief, and yeah. I've met uh, as well a gentleman who's very sincere in the area on this. And um, well, you know, uh, but it doesn't matter. Our sincerity doesn't necessarily. That's not the matter. test. No, it's not the test. We've yeah. talked about that not too long ago, and uh, so we want to know what the scriptures teach. So we sent out today to our update list, uh, always reminding you, get on our list if you're not. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, put me on the list. And if you're on our list, you would have gotten this email today in which we posed these questions for your feedback. Number one, what is the history of the Sabbath observance? When did it start? What was its purpose? Number two, what were the rules of the Sabbath observance? What were the penalties for violating them? Number three, were the Ten Commandments, including worship on the Sabbath day, part of a permanent or temporary covenant with God? Uh, those are the three first questions. Maybe I'll hold uh, the last couple of questions. We're going to talk about some of the arguments raised by the Sabbatarians uh, and then confirmation that we should, in fact, be worshiping on the first day of the week will be our last question. All right. Uh, so we'll want to hear your thoughts on the program right now. You, if you don't uh, observe the Sabbath, how do you justify that? Uh, you need to be prepared to answer the question yourself. because That's it, right. If it, you are a Sunday worshiper, then you, you've got to be ready to give an answer when people ask you about that. And if you're like me and uh, you work uh, out in the yard on Saturday, well, you might have yeah. a problem if you uh, if the if the Sabbatarians are correct. And yeah, so- and we we got a, just a point of clarification. We got an email from Clay here in Columbia, Tennessee, who says uh, I was a little confused by your question. Uh, are some question, are some Christians right in saying that we should be worshiping on the Sabbath day? Based upon the initial question, the answer is yes, we should be worshiping God on the Sabbath day and every other day of the week. He quotes Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Uh, but he says, as I read on, I realized I think you're saying, should we assemble for worship on the Sabbath instead of on the first day of the week? In that case, the answer is no. But what about assembling on the Sabbath day in addition to the first day of the week? 
well, then the answer is that's fine. It's just the same as assembling on Wednesday. In fact, I think even if a person felt strongly about Romans 14, 5 through 13 would play a role in that discussion. Um, so for clarification, because Clay points out maybe an ambiguity in our questioning, yes. we're talking about yes. those who teach that what we do on Sunday ought to be done on Saturday. Mm-hmm. That when we assemble together on the first day of the week, and and the unique elements of worship on the first day of the week, mm-hmm. I agree with Troy, uh, with uh, Clay that that worship is a thing we do uh, every day or yeah. should. Yeah. Because we pray every day and we right. study our Bibles every day. We give honor and glory to God uh, right. in various things that we do every day. But on Sunday, we come together in worship. And uniquely on Sunday, we observe the Lord's Supper in remembrance of his death. And we contribute of our means. And those things are Sunday-only activities in the assembly. And so what we're saying here is not can we can we offer praise and worship to God on other days of the week, certainly the question is, can we do our corporate worship on Sunday wherein we take the Lord's Supper and contribute of our means? All right. Let us know your thoughts on the program tonight, 877-381-4567. Thanks for that clarification there. Uh, we don't want to be ambiguous, uh, certainly not. Uh, all right. What about the Sabbath? We got we got some questions. We got a couple of responses back, one from our friend Chris in the U.K., another from our friend Ramona in Texas. They're both in the running for the most uh, yeah, they're, consistent they're correspondent. They're, com- they're and competing. neither one of them could let down on the job tonight because yeah. then the other one will get ahead. Yeah. But let me give you a little bit of uh, – well, let's go to the questions. Let's, let's, let's go to the questions. Let's go to our what, what Chris says in the U.K., when we asked what is the history of the Sabbath observance, when did it start, what was its purpose, he said, if you mean what is the history of people meeting on Saturday, Sabbath, compared to Sunday, I believe that was started by Andreas Fisher and Oswald Glade in 1527. Sunday was always the day of worship. As to its purpose, the Sabbath, I'll just quote Spurgeon. So he quotes Charles Spurgeon. He says, quote, I am no preacher of the old legal Sabbath. I am a preacher of the gospel. The Sabbath of the Jews is to him a task. The Lord's Day of the Christian, the first day of the week, is to him a joy, a day of rest, of peace, and of thanksgiving. And if you Christian men can earnestly drive away from all distractions so that you can truly rest today, it will be good for your bodies, good for your souls, good mentally, good spiritually, good temporally, and good eternally. Mm, okay. So Chris took a different slant on that yeah. question. That's not what I meant, but that's interesting history that he supplied. He, yeah. He's saying, when did some begin to say that Christian worship yeah. should be done on the Sabbath day? And he traces it back to 1527 with a couple of men named Andreas Fisher and Oswald Glade. That's history I'm unfamiliar with, uh, so that's interesting. <clears throat> but that's uh, but that's not what I meant. I'm not saying when did people start saying Christians should worship on uh, on on the Sabbath Saturday. What I meant by that was in our Bibles when we read about Sabbath worship. When did that start? Uh, that start? The but not the false practice of observing right. the Sabbath. Right. If we, we'll we'll yeah. get that there in a little minute. Yeah, that's good. Uh, interesting, Chris. Thank you. Ramona in Texas says the Ten Commandments, as originally given, are found in Exodus 20, verse 17. They are part of the covenant that God made with Israel when they came out of Egyptian bondage. Now, Ramona yeah. makes a controversial yeah. statement there. She says that the Sabbath was began uh, at uh, the law, uh, the Mount Mount Sinai. The, uh, given I the law think of Moses. she's right about yeah, that. A lot of people will disagree, though, because the Sabbath, the observance of the Sabbath, is not mentioned until Exodus. Uh, when God gave the law through Moses to the children of Israel. Now, we know that God, in Genesis chapter 1, God created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh day. Mm-hmm. And, and and it even says there in Genesis chapter 1 that some significance would be ultimately attached. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, God saw everything he made. Behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Uh Let's see, where, where are we going to read the, the seventh day? That'll be uh, after the sixth day. Yeah. Yeah, here it is in chapter 2. I thought it was mm-hmm. right at the end. I'm wrong. It's at the start of chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. This is chapter 2, Genesis, verse 2. And on the seventh day, God ended his works which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Mm-hmm. So God rested on the seventh day, and it's sort of hinted at something that would be in the future right. relative to God resting. It didn't say man rested. It didn't say man was commanded to rest. 
uh, it just notes that God rested on the seventh day. Right. Now, where do we read about men being told to do that? Well, you can look pretty far and wide there up until Exodus chapter 20. and 16, actually. Exodus 16. I don't see it uh, there in uh, anywhere. Well, in fact, when you read in Exodus 16, now, Exodus 16 is Moses giving the law to the children yeah. of Israel, God giving to Moses and the children of Israel the law. And notice, uh, it, it's pretty clear they were not familiar with keeping a Sabbath. And I'm going to read in Exodus 16, beginning verse 21. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. Talking about now, the manna. Now, now, this isn't the law of Moses. This isn't the Mount Sinai episode yet. No, this is when he gave them the manna. Right. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. It came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them, that is that which... This is that which the Lord hath said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake today, and seethe that that ye will seethe, and that which remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until morning. And they laid up till morning as Moses bade, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today ye shall not find it in the field. Six days ye shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath. Therefore he hath given you on the sixth day bread for two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. That's the first indicator of observing the seventh-day Sabbath, and it seems it was new to them and they were unfamiliar with it. Right, the reference to it accompanied instruction on how they should behave. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a given. Mm-hmm. If they'd been doing this since uh, creation, then Moses would have said, you, tomorrow's the Sabbath. What are you, you, know, what are you, you, you know balls better. doing? Yeah, you know better yeah, than come that. Come on. Uh, actually, there's some plain statements uh, that the Sabbath law was given at Sinai, not at the beginning when okay. God created Nehemiah 9, verses 13 and 14. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai and spakest with them from heaven and gavest them right judgments and true laws, good statutes and commandments, and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath and commandest them precepts, statutes, and law by the hand of Moses thy servant. Notice, at Sinai he made known to them the Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, Ezekiel 20, beginning verse 10. Wherefore I caused them to go forth out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness, and I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them. Yeah. So the Sabbath was a law to the Jews and was meant to be a sign to them of the special covenant relationship they had with God. Okay. Uh, so, again, I think that our answer is, if you wanted to know the history of the Sabbath, it, it didn't start at the beginning, although there's a reverence, reverence to God resting on the seventh day at creation in Genesis 2, 1 through 3. But the command for men to observe the Sabbath was never given until the first we read of it is in Exodus 16. And and both Nehemiah and Ezekiel suggest that God gave them that as a part of the special covenant that he had with the people of Israel, and uh, it was a sign of that. Now, you're going to some great uh, pains to show that uh, that we don't read about the Sabbath being uh, practiced prior to the law of Moses. Can you explain why you're going to such effort? I mean, because some would say, well, I mean, that, what's the big deal? Who cares if they did it before the law of Moses or not? Well, we're, we're trying to establish that this was a special, uh, a special covenant agreement of the Jews or the Israelites with God, and we're not under that covenant any longer. And so you're saying it's not something that is, uh, that is always, it's sort of been a given for God. It's not something that God's wanted from the beginning of time. It was a special covenant with the Israelites. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another reference to that same idea. Exodus 31, verse 16, Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Uh-huh. There's the connection to the creation week. But it, it clearly says this was a sign between him and the Israelites. 
But it says it was a perpetual covenant. How are you going to get around that? That's one of the objections we're going to raise later. Okay, we'll talk about that. Keep that in your mind. Yeah, keep keep in mind that word perpetual there, and we'll answer that. Because those who want to practice the Sabbath today say, well, it's a perpetual covenant. We've got to keep it. It's perpetual. So. We've got to, that's that's a fair question, and we got to answer it. All right. We're going to take a break, and when we get back, we want to take the question of, well, when the Israelites were given this covenant, what were some of the rules that went along with it? Because that will help us to understand a little bit more about it and a little bit more about whether we should be following it today. We're going to take a break and get to your questions on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? Here's some quotes worth pondering. Trust not the world. It never pays what it promises. Always put off until tomorrow what you shouldn't do at all. Integrity means being good when nobody is looking. By improving yourself, the world is made better. Happiness is inward and not outward. It does not depend on what we have, but on what we are. Be grateful for what you have, not regretful for what you do not have. A lot of trouble in this world is caused by combining a narrow mind with a wide mouth. A mule makes no headway when he is kicking, neither does a man. Man, wish I'd said that. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight talking about the Sabbath day and whether we should be keeping it uh, as Christians today. Yeah, and so we we showed where it came from, what the history of its uh, origination was, the special sign, a covenant between God and the Israelites, never commanded before uh, God gave the law to Moses mm-hmm. in Exodus. All right, now. They're observing the Sabbath in the chat room tonight. Are they? Yes, yeah, they absolutely are. Absolutely quiet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. So um, what what kind of things did they have to do on the Sabbath day? Because if, if now this is sort of a backdoor argument, but if we're commanded to keep the Sabbath still, looks like we ought to we have to do it the same way that they were you instructed to yeah. You would think. All right. Well, what are some of the rules? Well, we have Chris in the UK. In Mark 2, uh, two verse 23, he thinks, Jesus' disciples were condemned for doing what was all unlawful for them in picking the corn heads they were harvesting, rubbing them in their hands. Uh, they were un- they were winnowing and blowing on them, leaving the corn to eat. Uh, they were threshing, all apparently forbidding. I would uh, hear they would have to be weary of spitting on the ground lest they were guilty of irrigation. Uh, technically, the punishment is death uh, in the case of the man picking up sticks. Now, he makes an interesting reference there in Mark chapter 2 because we would disagree with him that they were they were violating the Sabbath there. Jesus, Jesus actually said they were guiltless. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think in Matthew's account of the same, uh, and I don't know if I can, uh, yeah, it's Matthew 12. Matthew 12 is the parallel account there, and Jesus said, uh, if you'd have known what this meaneth, I will have mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. Talking about his own disciples. Yeah. So what his disciples were doing was not a, a Sabbath violation. Right. Jesus, of course, basically in that text, Jesus says, "I'm the perfect interpreter of the Sabbath law. I wrote I it." I made it. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I, I would I would say that I wouldn't use the word unlawful. It was not unlawful. All right, uh, but he does get to the penalties, and that is the penalty of death, as he referenced the man there who had been picking up sticks, and he paid the ultimate price. Yeah, um, the rules for Sabbath. What, what does Ramona say? Ramona says um, uh, it is not. It was not intended for all mankind, but for the nation of Israel alone. Exodus uh, thirty-four, twenty-seven, and twenty-eight. Uh, and she references uh, there the Lord said to Moses, "Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with thee in Israel." And he was there with the Lord forty days and nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. He wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant of the Ten Commandments. The covenant was with Moses and Israel specifically. Okay, uh, that's good, but that's not exactly what I had in mind. Uh, what were the rules? What could you do and not do in keeping the Sabbath day? I got a list here. All right. No work, Exodus twenty nine and ten. No cooking, Exodus sixteen verse twenty three. Could not build fires. Exodus 35, verse 3. 
bear no burdens, Jeremiah 17, verses 21 and 22. No buying or selling, Nehemiah 10, verse 31. So those are at least some of the things we know that they couldn't couldn't do on the Sabbath day. And the penalty was really harsh and severe in Exodus 31, 14. Ye shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. And so uh, a very strict penalty, the penalty of death for failing to keep uh, the Sabbath day. All right. Now we have uh, some other uh, questions here. Um, fact, before we do that, let me go. Let me get, yeah, give right, you, get a, you know. an example of them actually doing yeah, that. Yeah, right. Sorry. Numbers chapter sixteen. Uh, excuse me. Numbers chapter fifteen. Numbers chapter fifteen, verse thirty-two. While the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day, and they that found him gathering sticks brought him unto Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation, and they put him in ward because it was not declared what should be done to him. And the Lord said to Moses, The man shall be surely put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the congregation brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died as the Lord commanded Moses. Okay. So, in other words, it wasn't just a stated law. It was, it was a law that was enforced. Violate the Sabbath day, and you're subject to death. All right. Very good. Now, again, back to my previous point, Jacob. As a backdoor sort of argument, yeah. if you're saying that we're still obligated to keep the Sabbath observance, are you, are you doing, doing that? that? Yeah. Are you do are you following the prohibitions and are you uh, abiding by the penalty? I think that's a fair question, uh, and, and but and I and I know that they don't, and I, I know that they don't stone people who violate the Sabbath day. Uh, but to what degree they keep it, uh, in, in accordance to all the rules, uh, is another question. I, I suppose, know, I suppose if you're going to keep might, it, might find a spectrum of, obser- of, of observance. If you're going to keep it, uh, Galatians chapter five would tell us you got to keep all of it. A okay. um, couple questions. Uh, one in the chat room is from Guest. Uh, by the time of Jesus, uh, Jesus synagogue worship on the Sabbath seems to be the practice. Where does the law of Moses command them to assemble every Sabbath? Know the answer to that? Well, that's an interesting question. Where, where where does the law of Moses command them to to assemble every Sabbath? That that actually, you know, we make this argument in in regards to some of our observances on the first day of the week. Uh, in Exodus chapter twenty, verse four, which is Exodus twenty is the Ten Commandments. Verse four is uh, um, the 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 fourth commandment is um, verse nine. Or verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou shalt not, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, you know, this is the argument that we often make. He didn't specify which Sabbath day to keep. Right. And so since he didn't specify which Sabbath to keep, the Jews understood, and we would reason the same way, that you keep it every time it rolls around. You keep the Sabbath every time there is a Sabbath. And so I would argue that the Jews, the the, the law of Moses commanded them to assemble every Sabbath day because he didn't specify the first Sabbath day of the of the month, or the first seventh day of the second quarter of the of, of every year. We, when you don't specify a specific one, you therefore are commanding the observance of all of them. And so I would say right there is when it started. But now the 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 questioner asks about uh, assembling at the synagogue for worship. Is that was that customary or was well, that synagogue worship began among the Jews in the captivity. Okay. That's when they began to assemble for readings and prayers on in in various localities where they were. All right. So uh, the synagogue worship was a carryover from the days of their captivity. And in uh, Acts chapter one, we read about another uh, Sabbath uh, observance, and that was the Sabbath day journey. What do you know about yeah. that? Well, <clears throat> the Jews made a whole lot of rules about mm-hmm. the Sabbath day, and so they added to the law of Moses, and they they. This is one of the grievances that Jesus had with the scribes and Pharisees of his day is that they were enforcing their own traditions 
at an equal level with the law of God. And Jesus condemned them for doing that. And, and so uh, some of the rules that we read about in the New Testament about Sabbath observance, I think, were things that the Jews themselves had implemented and added in. And from one reference I, I have here, it looks like that uh, that Sabbath day journey was about 2,000 paces or about a mile. Yeah. That's so what they, they had arbitrarily yeah. decided. Yeah, I think that's All right. right. Okay. All right, so we've covered the first couple of questions. We know that the Sabbath... Uh, was never practiced until God gave the law to Moses on uh, in Exodus. Uh, its purpose was to be a sign between God and the Israelites of their special covenant relationship. There were strict rules of Sabbath observance. The penalty for violating them was death. Okay. All right. Now. Okay, go ahead. You've got another question for us. Should we go ahead and get a break, or should we tackle this one? Because this one, well, this one's very, very important. Well, we can at least... Uh, open the question up. Uh, the question we asked was, were the Ten Commandments, including worship on the Sabbath day, part of a permanent or temporary covenant with God? In other words, uh, was this a rule and a law? Was this, was, was this a command? Was this a covenant arrangement that God intended to last forever? I yeah. think, I think that's, uh, that we, we've got to deal with that question. Uh, because if it was to be forever, then we ought to still be doing it, obviously. Yeah. Uh, right. uh, how, would, how would you answer that? I mean, I, I would answer by some of the things that we've already mentioned. Yep. Clearly, the, the Ten Commandments were a part of the covenant that God made with the Israelites. Look mm-hmm. in Exodus 34, verse 27. Exodus 34, verse 27. The Lord said to Moses, Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words... I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel, and there was there with the Lord, and he was there with the Lord forty days and four nights, needed to eat bread or drink water, and he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Yeah. So the Ten Commandments were part of the covenant that God made with Israel. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I just really don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, we are not Israel, and we are not under that same covenant, as we will see in a minute. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse thirteen. He declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, even the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them upon two tables of stone. All right. That, that tells you there that they're together, aren't they? Right. The covenant and the Ten Commandments yeah. are, to, are, are one of the same thing. Okay. Uh, there, there was really more to the covenant. There were more laws than just the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments were clearly part of that covenant that God made with the Israelites. Okay. Now, what we know is that that covenant was n- not intended to be a permanent one. Okay. In Jeremiah chapter 31, Jeremiah 31, beginning verse 31, uh, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, though I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts, and I will write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know him, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Uh huh. So, very clearly... Uh, Jeremiah says there's a day coming when the covenant that God made with the children of Israel when he brought them out of Egypt, that's the law that he gave to Moses at Sinai. He's going to, he's going to, it's not going to be that covenant. There's going to be a new covenant to replace that covenant. Now the language there in Jeremiah chapter 31 sounds awful familiar to the language we read in Hebrews chapter 8 and the Hebrew writer there tells us the fulfillment of that prophecy came with Christ. Exactly right. Hebrew writer in Hebrews 8 verses 7 through 13, quotes Jeremiah mm-hmm. and says that this has happened. What Jeremiah prophesied about has happened. All right. And then there's a passage, I think, that really sews it up for us, and that's Colossians chapter 2, beginning of verse 14, that tells us that these Old Testament regulations have been taken away, been nailed to the cross. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. 
So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance is of Christ. There in Colossians, Paul tells us that uh, we're not to be judged in regard to Sabbaths anymore. So something's changed because under the law of Moses, they definitely were to judge. And if they found a man in violation, as they did, they were to stone him to death. But Paul says, don't let people judge you about observance of the Sabbath. Because it was part of that Old Testament law that had been taken out of the way. Nailed to the cross of Jesus. So I think that's exactly right. So it was the, the Sabbath observance was a part of the covenant that God made with the Israelites at Mount Sinai. It was a special sign of the, of that. The Sabbath itself was a special sign of that covenant, but the covenant was never intended to be permanent. And we, we know clearly Paul says in Colossians two, that that covenant and its rules and its observances were nailed to the cross. All right. Well, we're starting to get a picture here of what the Sabbath is all about. And we'll continue that discussion on the other side of the break. We'll get a break and get this week's bullet point. We'll continue now on the other side of the break looking at some arguments that those who want to bind the Sabbath today are making, and we'll we'll answer those arguments uh, from what the Scriptures teach us about the observance of the Sabbath. We'll get the bullet point, and we'll continue. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Many of us have experienced the frustration of being in a store and needing service only to be ignored and disregarded by the salespeople. We think, and rightly so, that they should value our presence and pay special attention to our needs. At a restaurant, we expect the waiter or waitress to attend to all our desires. In fact, we determine how much of a tip we will leave based on how well they have fulfilled our wishes. Expecting to be served in a store or restaurant is natural, but a huge problem develops when people begin to look at the church in the same way. Some tend to view the local congregation as an organization that exists purely for the sake of serving them. Their attitude and conduct toward others in the church is directly linked with how well their own perceived needs and wants are being met. In effect, these people come into the assembly, sit down, and say, Here I am. Serve me. This serve me mentality leads people to be hypocritical of all that happens in the church. They complain about the classes, too boring, the singing, off-key, too slow, the preaching, too long, too negative, the leadership, not doing enough, lording it over, and so forth. But despite their criticisms, they never get involved themselves to help make things better. The folks that we are describing typically have a high degree of expectation concerning social interaction with other Christians, too. Specifically, they tend to think that others ought to be entertaining them and inviting them into their homes for food and fun. If a certain number and frequency of social invitations are not coming their way, they complain that the church is, quote, unfriendly and that the brethren just don't have a proper level of brotherly love. Never mind the fact that these people themselves seldom ever entertain others. The Lord often spoke of such people, warning about their harsh judgments, Matthew 7, 1 through 5, and urging all of us to look for opportunity to serve rather than be served, Luke 22, verses 25 and 26. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the virtual Bible study. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3.17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. you still got that website looking good. You've got a lot of... A lot of stuff on there. Yeah, including those uh, recent uh, lessons presented at our community Bible study. Exactly, they're still there, and you can you can access. Those. How long are you going to leave those there? I, I don't know, but I got a I got an email from Chris in the UK uh, that we often get emails from him. We he he answered some of our questions tonight, and Chris uh, had said, you know, I had offered if people wanted a CD, a uh, hard copy of those audio yeah. files, if you uh, if you'd send snail mail, I would get them in the mail to you, and uh, and so he said, well, if the snail can swim, send some here. <laughs> And so I wrote him back and said, well, the snail can swim, but not very well. And so, you know, it would probably be better to just get the audio off the website. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry about that, Chris. I guess our our, our offer's limited. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well. If, it, if, if there's water between us and you, we probably can't get it there. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, if you are in the continental U.S. and you'd like that, uh, check that out. Uh, send us an email. Uh, or you can, as uh, you mentioned, you, it's self-service at the website. You can yeah. download that and watch the video. 
Yeah, you want exactly. to watch the video, I think, as well. Uh, the, that is at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And you can sign up. If you sign up for the Sermon Podcast, we'll throw it in as an added benefit. It's in that podcast feed. You can get that there, the Sermon Podcast uh, feed, as well as the Virtual Bible Study Podcast feed. And if you're listening to us in the podcast, perhaps you've never been to our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. It would be a great time to check that out and find out the other resources that are available there. And we've got archives, audio archives of all past programs. We've got a, a lot of video archives, too, but we have all the audio archives of past programs. And it serves as a pretty good uh, uh, resource. for If you have a question, you, you can probably find us talking about it sometime or another over the last nine years. Yes, that's right. And uh, if we haven't talked about it or if you'd like us to talk about it again, you can suggest future topics for the virtual Bible study by sending your suggestion or your question to questions at collegeview.com. We welcome those at any time. And we're probably about time to have another one of those clear off the yeah, deck a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we probably should. All right, so send those into questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about the Sabbath tonight. We've shown that the Sabbath was uh, given at the law of uh, at, uh, with the Israelites around the time of, the, of uh, Mount Sinai with the law of Moses. We see the first instance of it when the children of Israel were given the manna there before they got to Mount Sinai. But that, uh, with the instruction that was given with the manna, it seems to be a foreign concept to the Israelites. They had not been given that instruction before, and uh, and then it was given as part of that covenant, and that covenant included uh, you know, the the Sabbath. You would think if Sabbath, if the Sabbath was always observed from the beginning, right. you'd think you'd read about great men like Noah right. or Abraham, yeah. Isaac, Jacob, a passing men- mention you, of. You'd the, think there'd be at least a passing mention of them. Observing a Sabbath here or there, yeah. none, zero, not any re- reference to men observing the Sabbath at all until God gave that as a sign of his covenant with the Israelites. When it comes on the scene, there has to be an explanation about what this is all about, why you don't work on the Sabbath and uh, and the rules that go along with it. Uh, so it's clear that there was not a, a, a general perpetual covenant throughout time. Okay. All right. Now, what we want to do is we want to answer some arguments that are raised by Sabbath keepers today. In other words, when we tell them what we've just been telling, mm-hmm. that is, we don't think it's a practice that we are to observe, they'll, they have some they have some questions they want to fire back at us. Fair enough. So we'll try to answer them. Yeah. Uh, here are some of the questions. If the Ten Commandments have been abolished, and you just said they were, Jacob, yeah. then is it all right to kill, lie, steal, and so forth? Uh, or... They would say, Jesus kept the Sabbath. If we're followers of Jesus, we must keep it also. Or, Christ did away with the ceremonial law, but not the moral law of Moses. Yeah, two distinct, they're two different laws there, maybe. Yeah. Or they say, the Sabbath is perpetual. We read that verse, by the way, yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll answer that. Paul entered the synagogues and preached on the Sabbath day. And Matthew 24, verse 20, proves that the Sabbath would be observed even after Christ died. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how do we deal with those? Let's take the first one first, Jacob, okay. because it, I think it's probably the most common one. Well, you mean if the, if the Ten Commandments have been abolished, you mean it's okay to kill, lie, steal, commit adultery? Because those were commands in the Ten Commandments, too. Well, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, and so forth. We showed that the Ten Commandments were part of that covenant. That covenant was temporary, as you mentioned. It was designed to be temporary in Jeremiah 31. And it was done away with. Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, again, tell us he, that, that that covenant had been taken out of the way. So, uh, so think, what about? I, I think Chris is on the right track okay. here. Chris from England says, I believe it was done away, uh, the Ten Commandments done away on the cross, Ask yourself, why is every one of the Ten Commandments repeated in the New Testament, save the one about keeping the Sabbath? Um, as to the law, the apostles concluded in Acts 15.29 that you abstain from that which has been sacrificed, idols from blood, from that which is strangled, from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these, you will do well. Uh, that doesn't that that verse doesn't directly address the Sabbath day, but I think maybe Chris mentions it because the Sabbath is only maybe, maybe the silence there yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, it proves that they weren't the the, the Jewish uh, Christians weren't instructing this the Gentile Christians. Hey, make sure you remember the Sabbath. Okay, and I, I don't uh, I don't think Ramona answered that one. Yeah. Uh, I think Chris is right. We got. All of the Ten Commandments are repeated verbatim or at least in principle in the New Testament with the exception of the Fourth Commandment, which was remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go through this list, and I don't know if we've ever done this before, and and I don't know if those who are listening will have time to write it down if you don't have such a list. 
um, or we can you can send us an email. We'll mail you this list. Here are the even com- to, even if you're in England, how huh, you can yeah, mail this. I can email you, Chris, if you want this list. But oh, I know you've got it already. Yeah. Concepts of the Ten Commandments repeated in the New Testament. The first commandment: Have no other gods. Well, we see that in the New Testament, Acts 14, verse 15. Mm-hmm. Second commandment: Do not serve idols. We see that in the New Testament, First John 5:21. Third commandment, do not take God's name in vain. We see that in the New Testament, James 5, verse 12. The fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Oh, wait a minute. We don't see that in the New Testament. That's the exception. Number five, the fifth commandment, honor father and mother. We see that in the New Testament, Ephesians 6, 1 and 2. Sixth commandment, do not kill. New Testament, Romans 13, 9. Seventh commandment, do not commit adultery. New Testament, Romans 13, verse 9. Eighth commandment, do not steal. New Testament, Ephesians 4, verse 28. Ninth commandment, do not bear false witness. New Testament, Colossians 3, verse 9. Tenth commandment, do not covet. New Testament, Colossians 3, verse 5. So, again, there's a list. and you've pro- Most of our listeners have probably seen such lists. But you can take all of the concepts of the, of the Ten Commandments and find them repeated verbatim or at least in, in clear principle in the New Testament, with the only exception being the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And so our answer uh, to our Sabbath-keeping friends when they say, well, you mean if the Ten Commandments are abolished, we can do all this uh, uh, evil stuff? Our answer would be, no, we can't, not because it's in the Ten Commandments, but because those laws are bound upon us in the New Testament. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. And the chat room, boy. Quiet, quiet as a mouse. Quiet tonight. You're not getting your money's worth in the chat room. Sorry about that. Uh, I have to check back next week, I guess, for that one. Uh, You ask another one about uh, arguments that would be raised by the Sabbath keepers. Uh, Well, another argument they make is Jesus kept the Sabbath. And you say you're a follower of Jesus. Why don't you do what he did? You know, that's uh, that's a that's on the surface sounds like a pretty good argument. But uh, when you think about it, Jesus did a whole lot of other things. Uh, that uh, we don't do today. For instance, when Jesus was born, remember they brought two turtle doves uh, as a sacrifice, animal sacrifice. sacrifice. Not doing that anymore. Uh, Not doing some other things as well. Not burning incense, uh, so forth. Not keeping the feast days. We know in the life of Jesus, we we read of him traveling to Jerusalem to observe the feast of the Jews. Right. The fact of the matter is that Jesus was a Jew. Yes, and he, he lived his whole life under the law of Moses. Mm-hmm. And that was the law that that he was required to be obeying at that time because it was still in force. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key thing is that the law of Moses was still in force. We, we, when we said that the, that the law was abolished, there in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, it says it was nailed to his cross. And so it wasn't abolished until Jesus died. Therefore, for the whole life of Jesus, he was living under that law that included keeping the sabbath day and he did but we don't do it today because that law has been abolished we 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 follow jesus in regards to being obedient to the law of god that pertains to us the instructions that he gave us uh and ramona is along those lines she says he did under the old testament uh, observe the sabbath as he had not died yet and been raised from the dead excellent ramona appreciate that and uh, Chris in the U.K. says the followers of Jesus or the apostles broke bread on the first day of the week, Acts 20, verse 7, and took the collection on the first day of the week, also 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. And then Chris asked a question, does keeping the Sabbath mean you have to keep the other 612 laws too? Well, uh, I would say yes. Yes. Uh, if you're going to, how, how can you pick and choose? We're going to deal with an objection they make about that next, but I think we should take our final break. When we come back, we want to deal with with a possible answer that our Sabbath-keeping friends make about that. You know, when we say, well, if, you, if you're going to keep the Sabbath, you need to keep everything else the old, old law taught. And Chris, I didn't know this. Here's another thing. Chris is really teaching me some things here tonight. He says there were 612 laws. Plus the Sabbath would be plus, 613. I didn't know that. I, who, I don't know who counted those, but I'll accept that as being so. But it is the right question. If, if, you're, if you're going to keep the Sabbath, why aren't you keeping the other thing? Well, our Sabbath-keeping friends say because Jesus did away with the vast majority of those laws, they were ceremonial laws. Mm-hmm. They pertain to the ceremonies of the Jews. But he did not do away with the moral law of, of Moses, and we're still obligated to keep that. 
All right, we'll take a break, and then we'll go to the top of the hour. And, hey, extra credit for signing in the chat room tonight if you want to give us a comment there. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist? But that's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence in it or him. One who has seen a parachute knows they exist, but has never put his confidence in one. Trying one on while standing on the ground isn't faith either. Going up in a plane intending to jump out with a parachute on is not faith in the parachute either. Opening the door at the moment of truth and gazing outside to the ground is not faith either. It is only when one jumps out the door, counts to ten, and pulls the ripcord that he has actually put his faith in the parachute. Many of you believe parachutes exist, but only a few have actually put your faith in one. Many people in the world say they believe God exists, but only a few put their faith in Him for salvation by doing what He says. We'd love to help you in developing a saving faith in God. If we can be of assistance, please contact us. Send an email to questions at collegeview.com or call us at 877-381-4567. And thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. Approximately 50% of marriages in the United States end in divorce. More accurately, 41% of first marriages end in divorce. 60% of second marriages end in divorce. 73% of third marriages end in divorce. That information is via the U.S. Census Bureau. The Word of God says in Malachi 2, verse 16, For I hate divorce, says the Lord. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. Back on the program tonight, talking about the Sabbath, and looking at the arguments those who observe the Sabbath would make in defense of it. Um, the, the question that we have on the table now is that our Sabbath-keeping friends say that um, Christ did away with the ceremonial law of Moses, but not the moral aspects of the law of Moses, mm-hmm. and that the Sabbath day was a part of the moral law of Moses. He did away with the cer- ceremonial things like... Um, Washing, burning, and washings, and burning incense, and clean, unclean stuff like that. Yeah, uh, feast days. Yeah, but he didn't do away with the moral laws like "Thou shalt not kill," "Thou shalt not commit adultery," and you should keep the Sabbath. Day. Right. So they try to make a distinction between what they, I think, arbitrarily s- separate off and say that's ceremony, that's moral. But the fact of the matter is that distinction is never made in the Bible. Yeah. I mean, that that's, uh, that is purely a human distinction, arbitrarily imposed, and it's not in the Bible. And I think what's interesting, Jacob, is that passage that you read earlier in right. Colossians 2. Right. It contains parts of both of them that they would identify as ceremonial and moral. Blotting out the handwriting ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. So what did he take out of the way? Nailing it to his cross. Well, Verse 16 answers, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon. All of those would be ceremonial things by right. their estimation. Right. Or of the Sabbath days. That's a moral law. Yeah. And so here Paul says that Jesus has taken it all out of the way. And even if you could um, uh, sustain some sort of distinction between ceremonial and moral and it's, and it, I don't know how you would do that. I don't know where you're going to find that distinction made in the Old Testament. But even if you could, by their own uh, arrangement, Colossians 2, 14 through 16 says Jesus took it all out of the way. All right. And uh, and we have evidence of that in the example of the first century Christians. We do not see them observing the Sabbath day. We'll talk about some of those arguments as we go a little bit farther on. But uh, clearly we don't see the distinction between any type of ceremonial or moral law. All right, now we got another question. We we raised this one earlier. Uh, the, our Sabbath-keeping friends will say the Sabbath was to be perpetual. And they actually have Bible on that, Jacob. Yes, they do. We referenced that passage earlier. Uh, Exodus thirty-one sixteen. 
The children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. So the word perpetual is used there. uh, And how do we answer it? Well, even in that verse, it says it was through their generations. And it was the children of Israel. It wasn't the rest of us. It was Mm -hmm. the children of Israel who were to keep it through their generations. But the word perpetual there doesn't have the meaning that it's probably not a a good English word to use in translation because to us perpetual means forever and ever without end. Mm -hmm. And that's not what that word means. No, throughout the the Old Testament law, uh, they were told uh, about things that should remain perpetual. Uh, certain of the uh, the activities that were going on in the in the temple or the 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 um, tabernacle, uh, certain sacrifices and so forth were told they were going to be perpetual. But obviously, yeah. they're not being done today. Yeah, um, I'll give you a couple of examples. Genesis 17. God's promise to Abraham, I will give unto thee and thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. Uh, he goes on, uh, this is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. You shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be a token for the covenant between me and you. And, and he says, uh, uh, every every son he that is born in thy house and it is brought and it is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting or perpetual covenant yeah but in the new testament we know it's not so we know that that circumcision is not bound upon us and there are other things like that uh, in the law of moses uh, the, the burning of the burning of the, the, the oil on the lamps and the incense. Yep. Uh, Exodus 27, verse 20, Thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always in the tabernacle of the congregation without the veil, which is before the testimony. Aaron and his son shall order it from evening to morning before the Lord, and it shall be a statute forever unto the generations uh, unto their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. Exodus 30, verse 8, uses almost identical language as the, the reference we did, you saw there for the perpetual uh, state of the of the Sabbath. Exodus 30, verse 8, talking about the lamps again. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. But and not they, doing it, that today. And, and it actually limits itself when it says through their generations. Yeah, right. But those lamps are not burning in that instance. And they burning. shouldn't be burning today. No. Uh, God and would so be unhappy with that. The word perpetual there doesn't convey the meaning that our current English word suggests. Yeah. It just means throughout the age. Right. Okay. So that would be our answer to the idea that, that it, the perpetual the Sabbath is referred to as perpetual. All right. Now, that, 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 that is a potentially powerful argument. But when we look a little farther, we see the meaning of the word. All right. You, you mentioned another one here that could have a little weight to it. Paul entered into the synagogues and preached on the Sabbath day. Aha! Now we've got it. Now we've got a first century Christian who's worshiping on the Sabbath day. Uh, We didn't get to all of our emailers here, but... uh, Oh, yeah, we missed uh, it. We won't back up. We don't have time. But I would say, yes, Paul did go to the synagogues. Uh, He also went into the common marketplaces. Uh, In in Athens, he went to where the, the pagans assembled... Uh, to discuss their philosophies, Paul went wherever he could go to teach people about Jesus Christ. That doesn't prove that Paul was observing the Sabbath day. He uh, preached, not worshipped, not gave, not did rites. He spread the gospel. Uh, Chris says, you know, it might be uh, if you were in a uh, Muslim com- country, you might uh, it might be said of you that you went into the mosque on Ramadan or whatever that is. You know, the the, the Muslims are are. are are uh, you know they're assembled if you were going to try and teach the Muslims? Yeah, same thing. Yeah, you go where people are that you have an opportunity to teach. It'd be a pretty uh, gutsy thing, I think, to go. It, it would be very gutsy, but I guess the, we should, we need to be ready to do that. But the point of it is, it, Paul went where people were and he taught them. Yeah, and that's all. That's and all. I guess it do. was just as gutsy for him to go into those synagogues and do it. Yeah, he, and he got quite a stir. Real quickly, we're going to run out of time. Take it. <coughs> Matthew twenty four twenty they say proves that the Sabbath day would observe be observed even after Jesus died. Mm-hmm. Jesus was telling about we believe Matthew twenty four is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened not until seventy A.D. Which would have happened after what we said happened in Colossians two verse fourteen and two seventeen, where the Old Testament law was taken out of the way. Yeah. 
Jesus said, pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Uh-huh. So is that a sign that Christians would still be observing the Sabbath day? And the answer is no. There were still Jews in Jerusalem up until 70 AD who were observing the Sabbath day. And if you had to flee the city on the Sabbath day, the gates would be closed. Uh, commerce would be shut down. It would have made it more difficult to flee for safety if the if the Roman attack and and the siege of the city had been instigated on a Sabbath day. It would have made it much harder for anybody to escape the city, and that's all Jesus was saying. All right. Certainly, there were Jews still observing the Sabbath in seventy A.D., but that doesn't say that there were Christians observing the Sabbath. All right. So Matthew twenty four verse twenty does not prove that Christians need to be observing the Sabbath today. I got one more here, Jacob, that we sometime hear. The Roman Emperor Constantine in 321 A.D., 300 years later, the Roman Emperor Constantine, he's the one who changed the Sabbath to Sunday. Uh, sort of a conspiracy theory, huh, that the Christians were observing the Sabbath day on Saturday. Until, until this guy Constantine, the rascal that he was, yes, so, he, yeah. he changed it from Saturday to Sunday. Yeah. Uh the answer to that is that that's just a misrepresentation of the facts. And the fact of the matter is that Constantine just gave state recognition to the already existing practice of Christians assembling for worship on the first day of the week. Acts 20, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 16. Yeah. All right. Uh, now. Um, and that takes about, us to our last question. What about, okay, well, okay, go ahead. Uh, uh, our, did you have another question? Well, it goes along with your last question. Some would say, well, that Christ, Sunday is the Christian Sabbath day. That uh, you know they observed it on Saturday in the Old Testament law, but when Jesus came along, they it didn't get away, do away with it, just changed the day. Sometimes you hear people refer to Sunday as the Christian Sabbath. Yeah. What do you think? Well, nowhere do we read that in the New Testament. It, uh, it, it's a, it's a supposition to say that it, that that's the case. You know, and and there there are some who sort of would like to enforce some of those Sabbath rules on Sunday. Yeah. You know, no work. Yeah, I don't find people arguing about no cooking because they still like to eat on yeah, Sunday yeah, fried chicken. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, and uh, that used to be sort of more of a there was more of a taboo associated with you know people didn't get out and mow their yard on Sunday because well you're not supposed to work on Sunday everybody knows you're not supposed to work on Sunday the New Testament doesn't say that I do think it's good to make Sunday sort of a special day right. and rest and be with family and and concentrate on spiritual things. But if you need to mow your grass on Sunday, it's not a sin. No. Because that's not enjoined. Those laws are not enjoined in the New Testament. All right. So anything that you would do in reference to not working on Sunday would be your personal preference and conviction, but not uh, anything. It used to be stores were all closed on Sunday. I like that. Yeah. I like that, but I can't bind that. Right. Exactly. Okay. Okay. How do we know? Last question, and we're just about out of time. How do we know that Christians should worship on the first day of the week? And Chris uh, mentioned this earlier. He mentions again in answer to this question. Acts 20, verse 7, on the first day of the week, the disciples came together to break bread, observe the Lord's right. Supper. First Corinthians 16, verse 2 says, on the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by in store as God has prospered him. Yeah. So we know that Christians met on the first day of the week. He goes on to say, Christ redeemed uh, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, so we're no longer in bondage to it. If we try to keep one part of the law, even out of our love for God, we are obligated to keep the whole law, Galatians 3, verse 10, and all 613 of them. Um, I, I agree with him. The, the, the way we know that Christians are to worship on the first day of the week is by apostolic example, and we would use Acts 20, verse 7, and 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, to confirm that. Now, the question that we get sometimes, Jacob, is, well, you mean you're going to base your whole practice on just those two things, two passages, those two verses? Is that all there is? But how many verses do you need? I think that's right. I mean, how many times would it have to say that Christians met on the first day of the week to observe the Lord's Supper? How many times would we have to have that told to us before we understood that that's what we're supposed to do? And Once faith, enough. Yeah, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so if I can read it there, I can do it in faith. And if I can't read it in the scriptures, I can't do it by faith and if that's not done by faith, it's sin. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, we're I think we're we're ready to give we're, it, we're ready to give it a rest, huh? Yeah, we're out of time. Right. Okay. But it's not the Sabbath rest, but it, we will rest. We'll give it a rest. Hey, uh, Jeff's been behind the controls all night. Jeff, we have not asked you for one bit of input tonight, but thank you for being here. Appreciate your help. 
And, uh, Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. We hope you have benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. And we, again, remind you, if you have any questions about what we've said, or if you'd like to suggest a future topic for the virtual Bible study, send your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com and make plans to be back here this next time next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.